Well, if you hadn't had enough snow, an answer to prayer, an answer to prayer. You know, there are many things that pass over our heads. One of them is when we're well taught by someone, but we miss the point, sometimes because we're given the answer without having, without having first heard the question, or perhaps not seeing context, it's always seemed to me that one of the best ways we've been taught is by comparison and contrast. And then we can sort of have that little lesson in our pocket and re revolve it all week long and think. And in Jeremiah 17, we've certainly a vivid example. It's a comparison between the one who trusts in God and first of all setting the backdrop, the one who doesn't, who doesn't pay attention. And it says that the, the one who trusts only in human beings and not God is like a barren bush in a desert that stands on a lava waste of salt and empty earth. A barren bush in the desert that stands on a lava waste of salt and empty earth. By contrast, are you ready? Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, like a tree planted beside the water that stretches out its roots to the stream. Don't you think that's a key point? You don't have to be a master of hydraulics to realize that that's a great idea. So, like a tree planted beside the water that stretches out its roots to the stream, it fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress. In the year of drought, it shall bear fruit. So us will we come to Mass. Here I am preaching to the converted. But think of the difference it makes when we come to Mass. We hear of God's power in the Old Testament, the reminders of the great prophets, Jeremiah here. And they call us to reality, to life, to good sense, and away from nonsense, away from things that are unreasoning and untrue. We have the psalm, we have a chance to sing and pray together. Those marvelous poems in praise of God and taking up all our hurts and worries and scares and putting them in the good Lord's hands. We have the gospel hearing God, Christ directly. And then we have uh, the letters of the first apostles. We have a lively sense of the church in its in mourning. And what a difference that makes as we renew it every day, every week here, you and I, together as a community, forming the mystical body of Christ and also receive the Corpus Christi, the very body of Christ. In the midst of trouble, God gives us hope. In the midst of trouble, God gives us hope. How important to trust in God. Not just to be religious, but to be trusting, to use religion to support us through life and to give us a firm foundation. Now you've heard of the Beatitudes. Most people think of the Beatitudes in terms of Matthew 5 and they're a magnificent presentation. Matthew, a great teaching vehicle. There's also the Gospel according to Luke. Many have called it uh, the loveliest book ever written. And Luke has his own Beatitudes and also woes. So good goes this way and mistakes go that way and they're to be distinguished. It's one of the great arts of study, isn't it? Uh, always distinguish, make distinctions and figure things out. The good and the bad, 
the beginning of wisdom to call things by the right name to pick the right path, not some people inveterately pick the wrong one, how important to pick the right one. And so Beatitudes are remarkable things because as we think of in Matthews particularly, they're things which are talking about hmm, being a peacemaker which presumes the world is not yet at peace. So in a sense you've got trouble, but there's the promise with God's help and grace of peace, and you could be part of that, be a peacemaker and bring the kingdom into being. Your hands and ears and eyes and feet are God's here on earth for the rest of us. And how grateful we are for each of you. Thirsting for justice, there ain't justice here yet, completely. And so we work for that, we put our shoulders to the plow, we move the wheel of history, and we make a change for the better, not just for ourselves alone, as if we were Scrooges, but for everyone, for everyone else. And then speaking of Scrooge, the woes, the things he warns us against. We just had Christmas, not that long ago, and one of the great premier books and movies on the subject is the one I told you, just mentioned, A Christmas Carol. And this fellow has it all together, he's making a great profit, he's got it all nailed, and he focuses just on that, but then there's that warning from his old friend who's covered with chains and all the chance he had to do good in life. He said, why worry? I'll look out for myself. And now he's forced to go through life and watch things that he could have helped, but it's now too late. He sees a mother, a child, someone sick. He can't help them at all. And he tries, Marley tries to warn his friend Scrooge, his former business partner, to change his ways lest he end this way. And then the three ghosts with their marvelous messages, remarkable messages, the one of past showing us that actually Scrooge was left alone at Christmas. And so there was a nugget that things confected around in Scrooge's life that was trouble. You could take that two different ways. You could go away from it and change for the better, or you could dwell on it and let it carry you down into the dark. And then the other ones. And then finally, Scrooge transformed, wishing to utterly to change his life, converted fully, but worried as he wakes up, is life over or do I have a chance to change? And therefore today the woes in Luke's Beatitudes and woes. Now we know it's Matthew 5. I wonder if we know where to find that in Luke. Do you know where it starts, the verse, and a chapter and verse? It's Luke 6, 17. Now you and I have never heard the number 617, have we? No. I can't think of any of us ever having heard the number 617 in any connection. But once you think of our area code, it's impossible to forget where Luke's Beatitudes and woes begin. And much like the Sistine Chapel ceiling, but also the back wall, where that fellow has his face covered in woe that he got life wrong, what great help this can be to de all of us and to bring us into the fullness of life so we realize what life was for and realize we were upside down all the time and we're heading exactly toward the wrong end zone had it all completely wrong. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, they have paragraph, they have numbers on the sides, and so it's 1717, an easy number to remember. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, the Beatitudes, which are Christ's own words, they shed light, they shed light on the actions and the attitudes of the Christian life, and it calls them paradoxical promises, which we already spoke of working for justice in the midst of injustice, seeking peace when it ain't there yet. There are paradoxical promises that sustain hope, our very point today, that sustain hope 
in the midst of tribulation. So it doesn't mean we have God's help, but it doesn't mean we won't have tribulation. It doesn't mean there isn't trouble in the world. You say, there's trouble in the world, so God must not be. No, no. Christ is with us, lifting us up, helping us to get through life in the midst of tribulation. And in the midst of this, he makes promises that although you could earthbound just see trouble, he points us to the kingdom to come. And he points us to how we can begin that kingdom here with each other as you are already here at Mass this morning. I walk around campus all the time. Maybe not the coldest days or the iciest days, maybe not. But I walk around all the several campuses of the graduate school and I try to talk to everybody. And you would be amazed how thoughtful people are. But in the midst of it, you know what I've run into? I ran into undergrads and grad students who were thinking of leaving Harvard because they compare themselves to the sharpest people in their class and in the process they are distracted from noticing the good in them and they catastrophize and they have their bags packed and they're ready to run away. And then they run into me. And it's a matter of my saying to them, look, you've done this, you've done this, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't been more than competent to do this and so on. And so they stay. And this has happened for years and I know can tell you zillions of them have marvelous careers. But someone had to pay attention and someone had to care and I'm sure you've done all the same things too. But it's a matter of giving people hope. It's a matter of giving people hope who are going in circles, catastrophizing that nothing's going to work. And you know what also happens is I get a chance by God's grace to talk people out of suicide. I may not be much, but over coffee, having coffee somewhere and some father, I want to talk to you, we go outside. I'm walking along, they talk about a hundred things and at the end they mention this. And the matter of... Uh, breaking them out of that thing where they're circling closer and closer around the drain. I've come lately, can I tell you what my current response is? May I share that with you? Is that okay? You know what I say to them now, and I try to keep a straight face because I'm trying to explode them out of the thing they're stuck in, as we all could be stuck in, not making fun of them or pointing fingers at those poor dear souls. They're the ones we all want to help, sometimes ourselves, by others. I'll say to them, well, you know, you don't have to commit suicide to have a happy life. You don't have to commit suicide to have a happy life. And after a pause, we both fall around laughing. We both go get a cup of coffee, and the cycle that they were in is broken because it doesn't make any sense. And whatever we're ashamed of, and we're all ashamed of things, I spent years in New Haven and Yale. Can you imagine? I was hoping not to tell you that, but I, I forgot I was going to keep that quiet. We all make mistakes. We all have shameful things in our closet. There you are, you know, mine. I hope you'll still talk to me. But to break through that and bring people to the rest of life, all the days to come, is crucial for all of us. We all know that, want that, believe that. My point today is to point out how you already do that. Well, Father, I haven't talked to anyone out of suicide. Yes, but you've said hello to them. They might be on that downward slope when they think nobody respects them. You took the trouble to respect them by saying hello and asking them the time of day, and now they know they're one equal to all the others walking down the street and not inferior because of something they're hyper-focused on. You ask them how they're doing, they're alone, they're caught in COVID, they're caught in old age, they're caught in God knows what, in sickness and they're isolated, and you give a call and show that you who are somebody cares and makes them somebody. Think of the ways in which you've given people hope and think of all the good you've done. And please never forget that. 
And if you ever feel down about yourself, please be sure to chat with the rest of us. Or as Jeremiah 17 says, in the first place, with greater wisdom, let us all talk, let us all talk to God. The psalm, the response today, blessed are they who hope in the Lord. That's Psalm 1. That should be the first tool we put in our toolkit. Don't you think? Let that forever be our line. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord so that we give hope to others. We start with hope ourselves. And for it, we thank the good God, the good God who loves us so much. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.